0: Welcome to the Davenport Pulse, a podcast aimed at connecting citizens to their local government. Together, we will explore important issues impacting our neighborhoods and community through conversations
1: with residents, city staff, and elected officials. Davenport is the urban pulse at the heart of the Quad Cities, rich in history and character, where folks with a Midwest mentality plant personal and professional roots. Come explore with us the people, places, and programs that make Davenport home.
0: Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Today, we have a very special episode honoring all veterans. And here to join us are two of our very own Davenport employees, Sergeant Austin Keene with the Davenport Police Department, and Eric Gravert, Design and Construction Coordinator at Public Works. Welcome, Thanks guys. Thanks for joining
1: us.
2: Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us.
1: We are so excited to share your guys' stories with our listeners. So why don't you guys just take a minute and introduce yourself?
2: I'm Austin. i um, my service was six years active duty in the Air Force um, from Davenport. Originally graduated from West High School in 2000. Um, joined the Air Force immediately after high school, um, and then after my six years, came back here to continue to work on my education. And was hired with the police department um, during that time when I was going to school. So uh, I've been here ever since.
3: Uh, my name is Eric, and. I actually started my military career much later in my life. Um, I actually went to college first, and then um, I started uh, my own career before I actually started the military. I joined the Navy, Oh, what was I, about 26 years old. Um, It seems old in the the military life, but uh, things just happened to work that way. Uh, I joined the Navy as a reservist and have been doing that for almost 24 years now.
0: Awesome. So Austin, what uh, led you to the path of serving? Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. So, um, I wish I had a more like romantic answer about, um, how it started, but to be completely honest, I was much more self-serving than that. When, um, I first joined, um, I was, I was actually enrolled to go to college. So, um, I don't want to jump too far ahead here, but, um, kind of the path that had been laid out for me uh, just based off my my family was was that of college. So um, I'm the first person, at least of living relatives, to go into the military. Um, And through no fault of anyone in my family, it was just kind of assumed that um, after high school you would go on to college and then pursue your career after that. Um, And then I had a good friend that joined the military um, in the process. So he came from a military family, so he had a lot more background in it. Um, So... I, was, I worked almost full-time in high school. I, I put a decent amount of hours in, so I was kind of familiar with um, earning money and paying some bills. Um, and then when I signed up to go to college, I started seeing how much that was going to cost. Uh, and then my friend got in. He, again, he was familiar with it, got in and started talking to me about the GI Bill and some of the educational benefits that went along with the military. Um, I also had aspirations very early on to get into a career in law enforcement and thought that the the benefit, the educational benefits that came along with the military, plus the experience that I may be able to get in the military, um, what would kind of help me on that path to pursue a career in law enforcement down the road and have an education to go along with it. So that was really what pushed me in that direction to sign up for, um, for active duty. Um, at the time, um, quite the reaction from, from my family because it was just, it was kind of like, Hey, anybody that doesn't Go to college, goes into the military, and I, I know that sounds horrible to say now and looking back on it, but th- that was just again, um, kind of again through no fault of their own, just kind of the impression that I had had growing up. So um, the the patriotism, the love of country, the service before self, the greater good that that all came later. But that was just to be completely honest, that was how that was how it all started for me.
1: I think you always had that service in your heart, though, if you wanted to go within law enforcement that. It's service for your community and your country as well.
2: Nope, I would agree with that. Um, so my father was in law enforcement, so I did have some predisposition to an exposure to that career field. So, nope, I would agree with that. But, um, yeah, again, it, it was definitely uh, intensified in the military for sure. Nice.
1: And, Eric, you chose a little later path, kind of opposite, and joined uh, when you were 26. What made you decide to join at that age?
2: Um,
3: I think a lot of it was – the extra money at first. Um, I had one of the guys I worked with, he was in the reserves and I worked with him day to day in and day out. And he was talking about, Hey, I'm going on my two weeks. I'm getting extra money. Uh, it's nice to have that extra free money when you are starting a family and making sure you can have things paid for it. And he was probably talking to me for almost two years before I finally made that decision to pull the trigger and do it. Um, and I haven't looked back since it's, I did my first eight years, and before you know it, it's now running into almost 24 years. That's crazy. So, again, I don't think if it's part of the love of country because I kept doing it, or I just like the extra paycheck.
0: (laughs) I think everyone like Maybe a mixture of both.
3: Yeah. I mean, getting into it at first, it wasn't a whole lot of extra time. Like I said, it was uh, one weekend a month and two weeks out of the year. That didn't seem like a lot of commitment. Mm -hmm. But as you get more years in and more responsibility, it's taking over my free time now.
1: Yeah, that sure is. Um, Austin, can you let our listeners know, like, what a day – because Eric just let us kind of know. Like, his is weekends and yours was six straight years. So what kind of – what's a normal day look like for you those years?
2: Yep. So – Uh, a normal day in active duty. I guess I should delineate between a stateside and an overseas deployment. So stateside, uh, at least for me within my career field, um, was very similar to a a normal full-time job. So um, early on, you get all your training, and that's more kind of along the lines of what you would think about when you think about Um, basic training or a boot camp, So it's, it's training, there's formations, there's um, whatever your specialized school is, uh, you go to that. So my, just to kind of get this out of the way, my career field was uh, an Arabic linguist. So I was in, I kind of had a non-traditional path there in terms of the amount of schooling that I went to uh, that early on. So there's obviously some very specialized career fields in the military, uh, but sometimes that comes later on. My schooling lasted almost, Two years. So on the books, it's it's sixty three weeks, but with with breaks in there and other kinds of trainings, it ends up being almost two years. The first two years of my enlistment were essentially spent during training. So um, it's it's very an intensive school, and it's just language, pretty much um, forty hours a week. So all day, that's what wow. I would do. So um, after that, then you transition into your your duty station, and you would depending on what shift you were on, you would go to work for we'll just say eight hours. A lot of times it's more or less, you know, the military doesn't, uh, they don't pay you by the hour. So whatever they need you for, that's what you're there for. And then you would go, you'd go home after that. So, and then you'd be transitioned to essentially civilian life. And then you go back the next day wearing a military uniform. So that I can only speak for the state side um, duty station side of things. So it's basically just a full, like a full-time job, depending on what it is with the opportunity or potential to be deployed. And that's, um, you know, I can't speak on that personally, but obviously my understanding is what everyone else in this room is where that's a 24 hour a day, seven day a week, mm-hmm. 365 day assignment. And with the exception of possibly being able to, to maybe get a break in the, the middle of that, to go home and, and see your family from overseas. But, uh, yeah, that my experience full, full time, full time job in the military.
0: Okay. So can you both kind of dive in and tell us why or how you chose which branch?
2: So, for me, again, I, I explained I had a friend that went into the military. So, he, he joined the Air Force, so I was already kind of predisposed um, to go that route. And then, again, not knowing a lot about it, um, perceptions of some of the other branches the Air Force. And uh, the other listeners are probably going to kick out of this from the other branches. But we can all agree here the Air Force has what I'll just call like a higher higher quality of living, I guess they have better foods, (laughs) better, uh, better accommodation. So it's kind of a, it's a running joke with among the other branches, but, um, they, I think there's a perception that there's a a better, just again, amenities within the air force. they take care of their people. I'm not saying the other branches don't, but, uh, depending on what you're looking to get out of the military and what kind of career field you want to go into within the military, uh, kind of guides you towards which branch. So, um, there's just some, uh, There's a perception maybe that if you're a, you know, hard charging infantry type person and that's what you're looking to do, then, you know, the the Marines or maybe the Army is for you. So for me, I had more of a specialized um, career path in mind. And then again, just uh, having my buddy you in the Air Force put me down, uh, put me down that path.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I agree with what he says. The uh, Air Force (laughs) does have (laughs) better duties than other bases I've been to. Um, I know when the air force comes to the Navy base, they actually get paid extra for substandard living. That's, oh, wow. that's, a, that's a true no, story. That is, but to be fair, the Navy's
2: number two, right?
3: Uh, okay.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: I haven't been to an army base. So other than the arsenal, but, um, yeah, the air force definitely does have much better, uh, amenities. Even food—it's—it's
1: it's crazy. <laughs> we will get to your guys' favorite and worst foods later. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I picked my career path, like I said, because the um, one of the guys I worked with um, was in the Navy Reserves, and then he was telling me, based on my age at that time, going into the Reserves, um, the different branches had different requirements, and if I went into the Air Force, the Army, or the Marine Corps, I'd have to go to. Uh, Basically, the eight to 10 week basic training. Well, I couldn't give up my job for that long a time. And the Navy had a program going in the reserves that if you signed up for it, your basic boot camp was only two weeks long. But to get there, you had to do a lot of other stuff on the weekends, learning how to march um, a whole two year class stuff before you can even go to your two week boot camp. So it was a lot of stuff up front. It's says, "Heck, like, well, I can do that because it's only one week in a month, mm-hmm. and I have two weeks of vacation each year. So that's what I use my vacation for: is the Navy and um, the unit I went with, or was going was going to go to. Um, they actually allowed me to go different times throughout the year. So if I was slow at work in like January because I dealt in construction, I can go out in January.
1: Oh, right. nice."
3: So that was, to me, that was a bonus because I Mm -hmm. wouldn't have to miss the busy time at work.
1: So you have the opportunity to go to several different um, bases. It's not
3: different bases. It's the same base, but the job I was doing is loading ammunition from uh, a pier to the ships. The ships would always come in and out. So they had different times of year where they knew about a month in advance when some of the ships were supposed to be coming in. And so they would list uh, dates where they needed the reservists to come out and help do that on and offloads. So that's how I decided to pick that group because it worked better for me to plan that far in advance.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Austin, you told us uh, which branch you chose and why, and you talked a little bit about how you were an Arabic linguist. How did you choose that specialty?
2: So initially I mentioned my my goal was law enforcement all along. So uh, initially I went in with the plan to be a, uh, the the Air Force calls them security forces, but it's essentially a military police. Each each branch of the military has some form of military police. So my, that was my idea going in was to do that. Um, Part of the entrance into the military is you have to take the ASVAB test, which um, way in here, I I don't have a, great way to describe it other than it's, it's sort of like an aptitude test. It's been a while since I've taken it, but they use that test to help kind of decide which job within the military you would be well suited for. And if I remember correctly, there's like a mechanical category and maybe some administrative categories. So it's a, it's a standardized test that they give everybody. Mm-hmm. You take that test and then it's sort of, um, Again, it gives them some idea of what what career field you would be suited for. So I took the test and I scored uh, relatively high on it. And whatever category I was in, uh, my recruiter at the time said, had put out the idea that, hey, you scored really high on this test. Had you ever thought about being a linguist? It's a job that less than 1% of the people qualify for. And um, so I'd like to kind of extend that opportunity towards you. Hadn't hadn't given it any thought at all, but with the idea of pursuing a career in law enforcement down the road, the idea of being able to learn a second language I knew was something that the FBI and especially federal agencies would find appealing. So, excuse me. Uh, So, after giving it some thought, I... Uh, agreed to to pursue that option a little further. There was another test that you have to take, though. It's called the Defense Language Aptitude Battery test, and it is essentially a made up language that, sort of like the ASVAB test, kind of assesses your aptitude to learn a new language. Uh, scored wow. well, scored well on that test, and then that qualified me to for the linguist job within the military. So, wow. after that, you you pick the job to be a linguist and then they assign you a language within the military. Okay.
0: I wondered if yep. you got to choose the language or if it was assigned. So
2: it's chosen for you. Okay. Um, I was actually given Korean as my first um, assignment mm-hmm. and I had an interest in the Arabic language and while, um, this is maybe another benefit of the air force cause not a lot of other ones probably would give you the option, but they allowed me to switch with somebody else that had Arabic and didn't want to, that wanted to learn Korean. So they allowed us to switch. So I was able to, um, be an arabic linguist after that so uh they, they send you to language school in monterey california all four branches go there so i went to class with uh air force navy uh, marines and the army so you set in a joint learning environment and then i was there for again approximately 63 weeks for just the language training and then there's some follow-on training after that until you eventually land at your um, permanent duty station so wow.
1: cool yeah that is cool Okay, so Eric, he said everybody takes this test. They do. So what were your results?
3: I don't remember what my results were. That's been a <laughs> long time ago. But I do know I could just about do any job the Navy required me to do, including nuclear propulsion, which is like the top tier students can do. Um, but I didn't want to do that type of stuff. I didn't want to be put on the submarine. Um, so I actually uh, decided to be uh, called a gunner's mate. And with that, we do on everything with um, small arms, like your weapons, up to the missiles, knowing how to work them, um, any uh, torpedoes, anything to do with ammunition, loading them, moving them around, firing them, cleaning the systems. Uh, we had to know mechanical systems, electro- electrical systems, hydraulic systems, AC, um, every part of wow. the weapon systems you had to know. Wow. Wow. And being a reservist, I didn't get to go to school like Austin did. I had to learn it in a book and show progression as I was going up that I could understand this stuff.
1: And obviously you can. (laughs)
3: Well, I can take a good test.
1: (laughs) There you go. Okay. So I'm curious on how does your service affect your life today?
3: Well, my service, um, the Navy has given me a lot of leadership training through the years, Um, As you go up from different pay grades, they send you to different leadership classes. Um, Usually they're like uh, a weekend long during our weekend month weekend. Um, And then as you get going from like E6 to E7, they do a really intense um, what we call chiefs uh, initiation. Uh, It's not nothing bad, like there's not a lot, there's no hazing going on, but it's, uh, putting you in different situations, and how can you become a better leader? How can you make your junior sailors rise up to the potential they should be? Mm-hmm. Um, and dealing with all different types of problems, being personnel issues, to pay issues, to uh, you name it. The, the E-7s in the Navy have to be able to handle all those types of problems. Um, they always say that the, the chief petty officers in the Navy are the backbone And it's thus that are the leaders that make sure we train even the the junior officers. Cause if they're not set up to the standards of being an officer, we have to make sure they are. And then as we go up even higher, um, in the, I guess, senior enlisted levels, uh, they actually have a a class called the senior enlisted Academy, which they, you have to be accepted into. And then you have to spend like three to four months, um, doing stuff with them on your own time and then the culmination is a two-week class you all get together as part of your group and do you do what they ask you to do wow yeah it's a lot of leadership which has been great because it actually helps push over to the to the city side because
2: the position that i'm in is a leadership position uh, I would echo everything that Eric said in terms of the the leadership training and how that carries over into the job. Um, I guess I would add just from, I guess, a little bit different perspective um, outside of the leadership aspect. If, if we're going to talk about how the military has influenced my life and that whole experience, um, I alluded to it earlier that my motives were much more self-serving when I first got in. And having now been through – six years of active duty and being in the military, um, that definitely, that definitely changed me. That definitely matured me. That definitely changed my perspective on a lot of things. Uh, you mentioned earlier and I appreciate it that, you know, I was probably predisposed to some public service, um, early on, but that took things to, to a whole nother level. Um, things that, Um, that again, that appreciation to be a part of something much bigger than yourself, to be involved in a profession that, um, again, dedicates itself to, to public service, that sense of duty, the Mm -hmm. feeling of wanting to put yourself, um, between others and and harm, uh, again, my, my my actual military job didn't necessarily do that. I wasn't on the front lines. I was um, sitting in a room with no windows, you know, doing translation work. But that that draw of of public service and really understanding what it is that the military does, um, that that oath that you take and upholding the Constitution and protecting the freedoms. I know it sounds probably very cliche um, oh. to, to listen to it on this end, but... Um,
1: Gives me goosebumps, actually.
2: <laughs> I, I appreciate it, but me too. And thats I guess that's where I'm going with it in the sense that that's, that's how it affected my life. It, it totally changed my perspective, and that's a perspective that... I hope to pass on to others and that hopefully the, you know, the, the people listening to this that have also experienced it or know someone who's experienced it can get a glimpse into that perspective. That's something that I want to pass on to my children for them to, to understand um, why I do what I do um, and why, why presumably all, all veterans do that, uh, that there is just a, there's a higher, higher calling that um, it, it needs to be done. And if not me, then who? And I think that's that's what brings us to this profession here.
0: Okay, Austin and Eric, we would like to thank you both so much for being guests on our podcast today. Um, we'd both like to thank you for your service as well. Yes, thank you guys for everything you've done
1: for our country.
2: Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Appreciate it.